0: You might remember we were back when, when Moses was, was going back and forth uh, to Pharaoh and going, let my people go. Let my people go out and worship. He hasn't got to the point of saying, we're leaving. He just said, Let's, let us go worship. And Pharaoh's heart uh, and his mind was made up. Um, he was not going to let the, the Israelites go out and worship. In fact, what he did was he made it harder on them. So Moses and Aaron uh, began with the first plague, the Nile turning to blood. And all of a sudden the whole country knows that there's a fight going on between Pharaoh, the God Pharaoh, because he believed himself of a God, and the God of the shoes, the God of the Hebrews. And Pharaoh's magicians duplicated what Moses was doing, but they couldn't unduplicate it. You know what I mean? They, couldn't, uh, they could turn water into blood like, like the river, but they couldn't turn the river back into regular water. Uh, so their their power only went so far on that, and God is showing Pharaoh who really, truly is in control, and also the people. So after a time, you know, he goes back to Pharaoh to tell him, the Lord says, let my people go and worship. And he refuses, of course, and then the second plague starts. And this is the plague of the frogs, and frogs are just everywhere. I mean, you can imagine, now they worship frogs so they couldn't get away from them. They were in the food. They were, they were, I mean, just in everything, the house and stuff. And if you stepped on them, oh my gosh, you stepped on a god. You know, that's how they viewed it. Um, so then, you know, the frogs, uh, you know, Pharaoh gives in a little bit and the frogs uh, die and then they got to clean it all up. And how do you clean up gods? I don't know. Uh, you know, so they had to deal with all that. And Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. But then as soon as that, that was over he got a little breathing room and he remembered uh, that you know he kind of goes wait a second i am i'm not gonna let these guys do this and it's interesting we're like this in many ways our heart swells up with emotions and we get overwhelmed in our mind and we start toward god in our relationship. Something triggers, maybe it's a worship song that just really affects us that Sunday or, you know, we get into the Word or, or heaven, uh, you know, I'd say heaven forbid, but no, not heaven forbid. But, you know, the pastor says something that, that you're sitting there going, wow, really made you think. Through the Holy Spirit, it made you think. And, and we begin the week going toward God. And that's a good thing. And then like Pharaoh... Our faulty logic starts to kick in when we get a little breathing room of whatever's going on, and we decide that we know what's best, and we stop responding to God. We have choices in this life. We all have choices. In fact, uh, Brandon, uh, we, we had his, I was gone, but my wife went to his uh, parent-teacher conference the other day. And uh, the teacher, Mr. Bagley, wrote down that, that Brandon has great integrity, good manners, he's respectful and helpful. And some people would be going, well, you guys are doing a great job parenting. And I understand what that's, where that view is coming from. But my view is we're just doing what God has told us to do how to raise our children, how we want them. You know, uh, Brandon goes, well, what's integrity? And I said, well, that has, you know, everything to do with our work ethic, everything to do with our decisions, knowing what is right, knowing what is wrong, and making the choice for what is right. That's integrity. Integrity in our walk with God is knowing what choice God wants us to make and making that choice. We need to have integrity in our walk with God. Unfortunately, Pharaoh doesn't have that integrity. He's already decided on the issue. He got a little breathing room and he walked back on his decision. He stopped responding. So God brings another plague along and you know, but before we go there, I want to point out something. Scientists have tried to explain these plagues, you know, item by item. Well, this could have been that and this could have been this and all that. If they don't believe in God, then why are they trying to explain them? If they don't even believe it really happened, then why are they even trying to explain? It's kind of interesting. Just a secondary thought on that, you know. But we forget that God has created everything sometimes, and it all belongs to Him. So if He wants the frogs to jump out of the river and into the land, He's going to get the frogs to jump out of the river and into the land. Our God made everything, it doesn't have a choice. He gave us a choice as humans. We have a spirit within us, and that spirit will either respond to God or reject his spirit. So in chapter 8, verse 16, my, my Bible calls it the plague of, of gnats, uh, but it's much more than that. It's any bug that kind of like digs into your skin, not to be graphic, but I mean, this is kind of a graphic time. He's trying to make a point here, you know, like fleas or ticks or gnats and so forth. So this plague shuts down all worship. In Egypt, because the cleanliness had to be there to be able to worship for their for the Egyptian priests, it was their laws and stuff. Every third day, the the priests would spend the whole day getting clean cleaned up and shaved, okay, from head to toe. So that shut down everything. So everyone calls in basically sick at this point. And it says here, then the Lord said to Moses, "Tell Aaron." Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats." They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, the gnats came upon men, men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. but when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not, and the gnats were on men and animals. The magician said to Pharaoh. This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. This is amazing to me. Even his magicians are figuring out what is really going on. Their dark magic couldn't even match what was going on, they were no match to God, and they were recognizing that this God was bigger than their God. You know, this God in their midst was a little bigger than their God. It can be amazing when people figure out something, that something bigger is out there. You know, when the it's like when the light bulb goes off and you can see it and they they figure out there is a God. There's something to this. Their eyes have opened, the possibility of this. And now they have a choice. Again, we go back to choices and so forth. They have a choice to, to recognize it or not, but it goes much further than that recognition. You can recognize the finger of God and still not be a follower of God. You can recognize the things of God and then turn around and walk away from that. So Pharaoh basically becomes stubborn and won't listen to his own people. So then God brings the fourth plague, the plague of swarms or flies. But I mean imagine this. I mean this they, the Egyptians worshiped uh, you go back and look at their history, and also, they worship flies, they worship beetles, they worshiped all these type of insects, okay? So then you go on and says, verse 20, then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people, and into your houses, The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies, even the ground where they are. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. This is a really cool thing the Lord does here. He starts to take his people and separate them out from the people of Egypt. The Lord makes a distinction between the groups. And the word here, if you go back to the Hebrew and study the word, it's really redemption that he's talking about. The Lord is starting to buy back his people. He puts a barrier between Egypt and Israel. So you can imagine all the the Israelites. I mean, they're, they're slaves. They work in the homes of the Egyptians, right? They're sitting there going, oh wait, Goshen doesn't have these flies? I can get away from this? So they're starting to leave the homes of the Egyptians where they're supposed to be serving. And they're getting away and they're going up to get relief. Where? With all the Hebrews. God is separating the people. They're moving back to Goshen because there's no swarms up there. God is separating his people for a reason. We are to be in this world, but not of this world. Anybody remember the old Petra song, Not of This World? I'm dating myself. Two people remember that song. It's a great song. We're going to have to play it sometime. We'll bring it. We'll play it. Just for all these people, because they haven't heard it, I guess. I don't know. But we're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. And You know, when is the last time God has separated you from something? Think about this. I mean... You're around something, maybe it's friends who do not do the things that are of God. Maybe alcohol's gone too far. Drugs that alter their minds. Watching things that aren't godly. And when God shows up, what does he do? He tries to separate us from those things. He tries to separate us. You know, some of us during our lifetime have been kept from certain things. God has maybe prevented us from going certain directions or doing certain things with with certain people, and, and, you know, God's literally prevented that, and that's great, but sometimes God has to do the separating. What I mean is this, is as a parent, my child becomes friends with people at school, Right? I mean, they're with them all day long at school, so you can't, you, you know, you, you try to help them, you try to, uh, you can't dictate what friends they have. But you try to get them to make good choices on what friends they end up with. You know, but as a parent, uh, you know, you, you try to keep your, kid, your, your child from certain kids you know, with Brandon, you know, we've met a couple of kids and I uh, meet some of the parents and stuff. And, and Lisa, Lisa and I are like, Hmm, you know, this, this one kid, I, I you know, I don't think, I think we're going to be busy if they ever invite us to go do something. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh no, no, we're busy. We've decided a family dinner is good. You know what I'm saying? You make up something to, and you're not lying to them. You're just busy doing something that, in other words, you don't want them to go there. That is a good thing because we purposely are separating our child. It's strategic on our part. Here we see the Lord doing the same exact thing. In other words, we learned it from God. God didn't learn it from us. Um, He separates the Israelites from the Egyptians. God is preparing his people to be together. Verse 24, it says, and the Lord did this. Dense swarm of flies, poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of, of his officials and throughout Egypt the land was ruined by the flies. The Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, "Go, sacrifice to your god here in the land." So Moses says, "That would not be right. The sacrifices we offer to uh, offer the Lord would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we were if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us?" we must take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. I want to point out something. Here's a progression that starts. Pharaoh is calling for Moses and Aaron. In other words, Moses and Aaron aren't entering in. Pharaoh's actually going, go get those guys. I want to talk to them. So we start to see that and finally, we start to think, OK, Pharaohs come up with some common sense here. He's given in a little more. a compromise. But this compromise is kind of a messed up one. Israel sacrifices with bulls, OK? Now, the major things worshiped in one of the major things that worshiped in Egypt are bulls and snakes. So here, I mean, they had a whole temple built around a huge bull, okay? Uh, where do you think we got the golden calf idea from? Hmm. They worshipped a big, huge, golden bull, okay? So for them to go in there and grab a bull, drag it down, you know, in, in Egypt and, and around people and sacrifice a bull, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to be upset. You're, you're messing with their god, right? So he's sitting there going, no, 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 we got to get out of here. Wouldn't be wise to do that. Be a little bit of a problem. Pharaoh is letting the people go, but he's doing it on his terms. This is also the beginning of four different compromises Pharaoh offers to Moses. And we'll see the, see the compromise, and this can relate to us that the enemy uses on us. Just stay in Egypt. You know, you can do this, but just stay in Egypt. Well, what does Egypt represent? Egypt represents bondage. It represents things that are not of God. You know, just add, other words, just add God into your mix, but stay right here and it'll be fine. And that's what the world tells us to do. Just add God into it, but don't go away. Don't be relieved from that bondage. We're like this with the Lord also. Okay, okay, God, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it it's interesting when my wife and I have people coming in town or or people coming over to our house we do what everybody else does you know we take all our junk and stuff it in the closets you know no luck oh come on people wake up a little bit well I mean not really but we clean up usually Lisa and I split the chores I'll vacuum and she does everything else so you know not even a laugh on that one are you listening people Okay, not really, but we split, things, uh, we split things up. Now, if it's on her list, it gets done immediately. My list is a little different. I handle the timing a little different, okay? I will do something, I'll do a little bit of this, and then I'll sit down for a rest, and then I'll do a little bit of that, and then I'll come back for, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll do it on my own schedule. And for the most part, this, way, uh, you know, this works out. But I can tell when I've waited too long, when Lisa starts to do the stuff that was on my list. I know I'm in trouble, okay? But we treat God the same way. We're willing with some modifications and a little different schedule than what God has. Hmm. See, my wife will tolerate this. We've been married a little over 25 years. God won't tolerate this. It makes him do something he doesn't like to do. Discipline and it causes us some stress until we repent and go back toward the Lord. Verse 28 it says, Pharaoh said, I will let you go offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. This is the second compromise. I call this the preschool mom. You know, the kid comes up, wants to go outside and play. Well, you can go out and play. You know, as long as I can see you. You know what I'm saying? Pharaoh's going, you can go out and sacrifice, but don't go too far. i got to keep an eye on you. Verse 29, it says, Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and the people. Only be sure that Pharaoh does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. I think Moses is maturing a little bit here. Moses is getting his voice back. At first, he shows up with Aaron, and Aaron, you know, he's like, you know, God tells him, you need to go do this. And he goes, "Ah, ah, 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 Aaron, you know. But now here, look how he's talking to, to Pharaoh. He's kind of laying down the law. He's speaking to him like, you know, he's not stuttering, he's not scared of him. At this point, he's taking over, he's getting his confidence back. This is the thing about being at the right place at the right time. God has touched Moses' heart. Moses was at the burning bush. Moses is watching what happened, You know, what's happening with the plagues. He's seeing the hand of God work, and he's telling Pharaoh, okay, we're going to go do this. We're going. But don't you dare lie to us. It's amazing that Pharaoh just doesn't say, kill the guy. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the type of power they, got, they had. But Pharaoh is powerless at this point. He has seen the power of Moses as God. He has seen that power and he doesn't know what to do. Verse 30, it says, then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord and the Lord did what Moses has asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. Now it's interesting, when the flies go away, everything's great, right? One year Lisa's sister Karen and pray for her she fell and broke her hip and then mended and then hurt her back again or something I don't know but pray for her you many of you guys have have met her know Rudy but they came into town and they were staying with Mr. B when we were going to go on vacation and um, but they were like okay we're going to cook hamburgers tonight you're leaving I'm thinking well I can't cook hamburgers I'm packing you know um, because we don't pack three weeks ahead of time And we've got our list, we know how long it takes us So we're planning on doing that night So uh, Rudy decided Well I'll help Alan out I'll, I'll cook the hamburgers And like he does at home, he gets you know, the hamburger stuff He gets it out on the grill, opens the, the door to the house And just cooks away, walks in and out just leaves the door open Well can you do that out here? No I walked out from packing and I just looked up Rudy what did you do? So, the flies that were on my ceiling were all docile because of all the smoke. So I got a stool out, standing on top of the stool with fly swat. I stopped counting after 200 flies. Okay? Then we got out the vacuum cleaner, and then later that night, we ate. But I mean, flies were everywhere. When they're gone, it's much better, I tell you. For Pharaoh... Man having everything gone, much better now. It says in verse thirty two, but this time but this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. Chapter nine it says And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews, says let my people go so that they may worship me. Now if you go back and read the last eight chapters again you will see that Moses basically has two things Moses's life message is two things in one sentence but it's split let my people go that's the first half of his mission and the reason is the second half so that they may worship me he's using the words of God This is an incredible thing. God's people have got to worship him. If you are released from bondage, you have to go somewhere at that point. You get out of something, you have to go somewhere. And and you should go from bondage into worship. That's the direction you should go, from bondage through the wilderness into the promised land, and then into eternity with the Lord. But if you don't go somewhere, you're going to go back to where you came from. And we're going to see this later on with the Israelites. They're going to go, oh, but we really liked it back in Egypt, even though for 400 years they'd been complaining about Egypt, okay? If you don't go somewhere, you're going to go back. See, let my people go is not enough. They go and get out of Egypt, but then what? What do you want to do? Moses doesn't get out there and say, okay, I rescued us. Man, Aaron and I are tired. I think we're going to rest. I got you out. Now someone step up. No, he still has a mission to do. His mission was only half accomplished. When he got his people out of Egypt, now he has to teach Israel to do something. And that's what? Worship. Come to find out, that's a bit of a challenge. This is a nation that's been out of touch with God for 430 years. They've been slaves about 400 of those years. They don't know how to worship. And they're going to have to learn because they have to be filled with something else from bondage to worship. See, many of us come out of bondage and we're in the I want, I want, I want stage instead of, man, I love, I love, I love, Lord, I love that you've taken me out of this. See, many of us stop when our prayers get answered. Something happens and we're praying and praying and praying and praying. And then we get a little bit of relief. And we should continue in that worship. But we stop right there. We're going to see them come out of Egypt in the bondage. Cross the Red Sea and begin to worship. Then they have to decide what type of people they want to be. Like, we have to decide what type of people we want to be. We have to decide what type of church we want to be. What are we going to do? You know, over the years, I, I tweak that every now and then, but there's two things that will never change. We want to be a church that worships, and we want to be a church that worships through the, through, through the word. In other words, worship in, in music and worship in word. Why? Because God's people have a responsibility to re- respond to him. This is why we have to, You know, we have to be a church that does that. We have a responsibility to worship him when Lisa and I moved to California we came from great churches um, great traditions and we started looking for somewhere to worship and and it took us a, a while it took us months we had you know visited 17 different weeks at different churches before we found the place we came from now in in the Bay Area you can do that because you have a lot of churches okay but really we were looking for for worship word and and serving and when we found that place, we felt like it was home. It had the music, it had the worship, and we jumped into serving. Why? Why did we jump in? Because we knew that we could be lazy. It's easy to be lazy. But we look back, and, and now this was a church of substantial size, and they had coffee pots. You know, the, the, the urns, the, the big ones that, you know, percolators, the 80-cup, per, you know what I'm talking about? Just shake your head, Okay. Even if you don't, just, okay, I know you're here. Okay. So they had about eight to 10 of those in the back. And we noticed something. Sunday after church, they would bring out the tubs, they would set down, they would go dump them out, and then they'd just put them in the tubs, and it would go into a trailer that was hot for the whole week. Now, I don't even drink coffee, but I'm sitting there going, ugh, I, uh, I that, that, would, that to me was just gross, you know, so Lisa and I said, we need to start cleaning those coffee pots for them. So we said, I mean, Lisa drank coffee, so she was like, I'm devil to clean them. So we just started cleaning coffee pots, and one thing to it led to another, but, but it was easy just to show up and be lazy. It's easy to show up and be fed and, and not do anything and just leave. The most it's much more difficult to serve. Why? Because then you have to deal with people. People are a pain. Have you noticed that? People are a pain. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, I'm just being honest. I'm a pastor, and, and sometimes people can be a pain. And you know that, too, because you have certain friends. And there's other friends you've walked away from, right? Because they're a pain, you know? But as a church, we can't do that. Why? We're called to love each other. We're called to love each other. So we should not do that. you want to know if you're growing and this is where the israelites were and this is where we are as individuals do you worship god anywhere else than in this building do you worship god in your car do you worship god in your job do you worship god at your school do you worship god wherever you go do you worship god one of the things that we're trying to teach our kid and I, I think I've mentioned this before you know, in class he's, the, the teacher said him by a particular student because that student needed help and we talked to Brandon about you get to be like Jesus. Brandon is worshiping God by helping the teacher with the student in the class. That's what I mean about worshiping God. Do you worship God anywhere, through, uh, anywhere other than singing in here and listening to the word? Do you take it with you? Because that's what the Israelites were going to have to learn. That's when you know you're growing, when you come to a place when you're worshiping God, as you're cleaning your house, or you're mowing your lawn, or you're talking to your neighbor. When you come out of bondage, you have to go somewhere. And we'll see what happens when there's those that, that ignore what God wants out of them and they start going back to their old ways. Worshipping things and worshipping idols, and God will give them a set of rules. We all know the story when Moses comes down, and what happens? Moses freaks out, and the scrolls break because he's sitting there going, "You've gone back to worshipping a bull. You got to be joking." And we're going to talk all about that. But the whole point is, when God gives us some relief, do we continue to worship Him or not? That's what you got to figure out. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we come before you, and, and some of us don't even really know what true worship is. I pray that you help us along in that process. I pray you help us along in the process of, of, of maturing and becoming more like you, helping us to have the integrity to, to worship you on a, on a daily basis, not just on a weekly basis. Lord, give us the ability to see you in this world. To see how we can be used to change this world. In our jobs, in our friendships, in our conversations. Everywhere we go, we can represent you. And I pray that you give us the ability to to awaken the Holy Spirit within us. To teach us how to do that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.